Well, praise the Lord. Is everybody doing good this morning? You guys ready for the word? Well, here's what I felt from the Lord a couple days ago as I was praying, couldn't sleep, praying, seeking, and all that kind of stuff. You're going to actually get a message today, but you're going to get a message today through about seven different people. How's that sound? And so um, what, what, what I felt the Lord was doing, just so you, the context of where we're going this morning, it's not just about relationship, but I was going to preach this morning on creating a relational environment within our church, that with, within a relational environment that is where we grow best in our walk with God. We don't grow in isolation, You know, the Bible says, you know, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It's within the assembling of ourselves together, not just on Sunday morning. Can I have an amen on that? But within our relationships that we actually grow and mature. And Brian did a great job of talking about spiritual maturity and how we need to grow from infant to child to to young adult and to 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 a parent and how the whole discipleship process and the maturing process, it is best done in the context of relationship. I have grown most spiritually when I've been connected to other spiritual people. Anybody else? It's not been in isolation by myself in my basement. It's been in context of relationship. And so I was going to share on creating a relational environment and how in America, literally, the relationships are disintegrating in in America. And we have got to go against the stream of the world that's trying to suck your relationships away uh, and I'm just going to give you this. Do you realize in the two, two decades, America has went from nine close friendships that we are now down to 1.75 close relationships as an average. And the average American in America, 25% of Americans say they have no one that they're relationally connected to close. And I believe you can say Facebook and all that kind of stuff, but America is in an isolation crisis, going away from relationship and not to relationship. Can I have an amen on that? And so basically this weekend, we went to a conference with Danny Silk, and there was many who participated. If you went to that conference, just stand up with me. This isn't to point you that you didn't get to go, but here's the people that actually went to the conference this weekend. It was a powerful conference. Okay, you guys can sit down. This isn't to make you feel guilty for those who didn't get to go. There are all kinds of things that keep us from being able to go to conferences, but it was powerful. But what we talked about all weekend was this issue of how we do relationships and how we have to have honor in our relationships in order for us to grow and and for us to be healthy. And so what I've, I've done is several people came to me during the conference and they were just sharing some of the downloads that they were getting as Danny Silk was teaching on relationships, as he was sharing biblical principles. Several people came and they just shared several things that they had on their heart. And I was like, man, man, we need to share this stuff. So are you guys cool with people sharing different revelations? What you're going to do is you're going to hear about seven different messages in a five minutes thing, and you're going to hear what, what people were, for example, okay, I'm going to give you my example of what I, what, what I took away from the weekend. There's, I could give you 30 things, but the one big thing for my own personal life where I was thinking incorrectly And so because I was thinking incorrectly, I was relating to people incorrectly, okay? But here's the lie I was believing. You guys ready for this? I was believing that you're not powerful. 
I was believing that people are victims and want to be victims and they want to stay where they're at and that they don't want to change. And it affects how I treat people because then if I believe you're not powerful, then I believe you need to be rescued. And so if I need, and it goes back to Shelley's message about being rescued and keeping your power on, keeping your love on, all that kind of stuff. So the Lord began to convict my heart. Eric, you don't believe me in people. You don't believe that I'm powerful enough to change men and women's hearts. So it's not that I need to believe in you. I need to believe in him in you who is the hope of glory. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you. (laughs) And you can't help but change. You have to go against the flow of God if you're going to not change. (laughs) And I just need to be patient with people as they grow. And I need to believe that they're powerful. And so when I believe you're powerful, I'm going to treat you different. What I'm going to do is I'm going to now pull the gold out of you, and I'm going to say, that's not who you are. Get up, buddy. You're better than that. And so I repented, and I asked God, and he restored my hope. (laughs) He restored my hope in him and in you and everybody else that I come in contact with because I was thinking wrong. And I needed a paradigm shift. I needed revelation from the Spirit of God to show me so that I now relate to people differently and more properly. Hmm. Isn't that good news? Okay, so we're going to have somebody else share. Brian Hughes, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Welcome, Brian Hughes. Amen. We're going to see what revelation God did in his heart and what, how he was thinking in a one way and how God moved him and began to help his thinking change. Five minutes, 11.30. Okay, so um, I have a hard time being quiet nowadays. Yeah. Um, so as I, last couple of times I've shared with you guys, I told you a lot about myself personally, right? I was vulnerable and said I judged lots of people, right? I went through sozo and healing, and God really did a lot of stuff through that with me where I got some revelation that I was doing that, right? So we're going through this culture of honor. That's Danny Silk's thing, in case you guys don't know. And so honor is kind of a hard thing to define. It's really just holding people in esteem, right? Well, how do you honor people? It's not like a real step one to this, step two to that, right? And so what God was revealed to me was I dishonor lots of people, right? If my mouth opens, I'm generally dishonoring, dishonoring people. Not on purpose, but that's what he's showing me is that I dishonor people. So I want to ask for your forgiveness because I dishonored many of you, and now I realize that I have done it, and so I ask for your forgiveness, and I say I'm sorry. And what he's shown me is, is that it's, dishonor is like this, right? It's when I'm having a conversation with Eric about whatever, and then I wonder something about Alex, and we talk about Alex, right? Neither one of us know what, about Alex, and anything I say about Alex is dishonoring. It's dishonoring. Because I am not focusing on God and him imparting to me about Alex. I am making conjecture with another person about Alex. Right? I do that all the time. Didn't even realize that was dishonoring. Right? That that's part of 
what's going on. So uh, as we we're doing, that was um, one big thing. The other uh, thing was um, the last half of yesterday, Joaquin Evans was teaching about living supernatural in the natural. And he gave us an example. I'm going to do it really, really quick. Where he's in Brazil, I think it was, and he's on the, on the streets, and he, a quadriplegic gets healed, right? Guy's in a wheelchair, and he's all bound up. They pray, and he gets healed. Um, and the people that mugged him the week before actually get saved that day, right, that, that time. And cool things happen. They're on cloud nine. Their faith at the peak, the peak, right, of, like, I can do anything. I'm super. So they're at the restaurant hanging out, talking kind of disbelief. Not disbelief, but like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. Right, and a girl hobbles by on an air cast and some crutches, and I, and so him and Joaquin and a friend kind of like, oh, watch this, we'll go take care of that right now. So they go over to the unsaved family, not following Christ, go over to them, mother, daughter, and a father. He says they're definitely unsaved because they were smoking and swearing and da 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 da. Right. <laughs> so they're like, you know, in the name of Jesus be healed. How you feel? It hurts. You know, fire of God come down. How you feel? It hurts. How does that feel? It hurts. Well, enjoy your supper. Right? So, you know, he walks away, kind of like, well, whatever. And he's learned, right? But so what happens, he sits down. Ten minutes later, the mom comes back and goes, I've never seen that much faith in someone before. And says, can you come to my mom's house? She had a stroke eight years ago, and she's paralyzed on the left side. Well, we leave for the States in the morning. What time can I pick you up? I'll get you to the airport. So they, at 530 in the morning, they pick him up. He goes there. The whole family is unsaved. They pray. Buddy has a stroke. Paralyzed on the left side. Gets healed. Right? Everybody in that room gets saved. Right? And as he's going to his van to be carted off to the airport, guess who comes hobbling out in the crutches and aircast? That same girl. Right? And he related it to us like this. He says, it's like you're at a party. And it's a piñata, right? We all take turns swinging at the piñata. You swing and you hit it, oh, nothing came out. You swing and you hit it, nothing come out, right? Next person comes up to swing and they hit it, everything breaks open, right? Well, it's the same thing with us, right? It's you have to at least take the chance and swing. And because of what you did, the first two people ahead of you, the first three, four, five, whatever it is, or maybe you're the first person, you were going to enable the fifth person to break the pinata, right? And so a scripture that he gave me this morning as I was just talking about it to further illustrate some things about honor and everything, ironically, was Galatians 5.22. Okay. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our, in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. So I haven't read the last one on purpose, right? Because what God showed me was, he said, and just so you're clear who does this, I, use the, I, I say the last one there for a reason, which is self-control. Okay? So when it comes to honoring, right, I can't control you. I am only in charge of myself, right? The Holy Spirit is the one that gives me kindness, goodness. He's the one who gives me honor towards you, right? And so as we're doing this, right, self-control. That's why it's last. And if you finish the verse, it says, there is no law against these things. Well, why is there no law against these things? Because they're not natural. They're supernatural, right? So that's why that, I've read that verse I don't know how many times, and they haven't picked up on the, there's no law against it. Well, it's because it's not natural. 
It's a supernatural thing. So keep your eyes focused on God. Amen. Praise God. Five minutes right on the money. Wow. I'm impressed. Are you ready, Alger? Everybody welcome Alger to the floor. You Norwegian, you. Um, this conference was uh, kind of really eye-opening. It uh, just hits areas in your life you don't think you, that you know you got, but you don't want to face them. Um, one thing that really spoke to me was about uh, if you're dealing with people and you're dealing one-on-one -on -one or whatever, you're two powerful people. And, you know, it's already been spoken about honor. And there was so much to write. I just got some notes here. It says, honor is nothing less than two powerful people in a relationship working together to meet the needs of each other and the situation. And sometimes when we're in the heat of things, you know, there's a, there's, you've heard this phrase, into me you see. Well, a lot of times in situations, I want me in you. And that I can't hurt myself in somebody else because God created them with things too that are powerful. Another thing that stuck out was famous for our love. What does it look like to be intentional, chasing fear away in a relationship between two human beings? Well, sometimes in confrontation, when confrontation comes, and that's just me, I'll back off. Because a lot of times I can't, I have to get in control with myself and what I'm feeling at that certain time. And instead of trying to portray something like, I feel like, well, that's not really a true feeling like when you compare it to something else. You have to get in touch what's really going on in the heart and what's inside of you so you can relate, so this other person can see into me, you see. And then you also have to be able to articulate to the other person properly without taking away the value of that person. And I know I've, I've been a, I'm in a situation now where I feel where I've been, my value has been stolen from me, but yet I can't look at him any more or less than what he's valued at. Because of that, I'm going to feed into that situation that's going to shoot a lot of negative negativity which if, but it's all on, depends on how I respond, how I value that person, even though he doesn't value me. You know, and so it, it, it's going to be a battle, but it's going to be difficult. But yet, at the same time, I have to value that person. And I know Saturday was, I think, was Saturday morning was really powerful. It talked about dreams. We hit it in worship today. And one thing that I really took away from it, no matter, write your dreams down. You know, Danny had, what, 100? He, God asked him to write down 100. He didn't only write down dreams from the natural, but he also wrote dreams in the spiritual. What gets God put in you to, you know, in your spiritual, what you, you know, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I've always thought in my mind, I want to prophesy to a president one day. You know, so I, if it comes to pass, it's not, I know, I believe it will. It's not negotiable. And that's, you know, you may, it may seem far-fetched,
but yet it's been in my heart to prophesy. You know, and even another thing is in my heart is to go to, like, Dennis Kramer. Go into a church and read people's mail and prophesy good things, not bad things. And so those are just some of the things that are in my heart to do for God. And he'll see those come to pass, but we have to write them down. We have to articulate them to him. Because I know there, there was one that was really, there was two things that was really powerful. And there's, there's a, a man and a, a rich man and a young man in an airport. And rich man went up to him, what's your dream? He said to dance around the world. And he showed, he got that, that rich man financed this, this man's dream to dance around the world. And and powerful people dance with him. It showed, it showed him singly first, but then it showed a group of people dancing with him. Except North Korea, it wasn't one. I think there was one, just a soldier sitting there. But anyway, but it just goes to show how even that dance brought happy faces, smiles. So, yeah, it was a good conference, and if he ever comes back again, go. Thank you, Al. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, yes. Come here, Connie. I'm going to talk for you, but people need to know who you are. I'm going to make her cry. Come here, sweet sunshine. Come on, come on. Everybody loves Connie. Bring the box of Kleenexes. Oh, I just love putting you on the spot. See, I can do this with you. I can't do it with Chris Chase. She'll kill me. You tolerate me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. So uh, was there anything the Lord uh, spoke to your heart? <laughs> lots, 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 lots. You want to read it, or do you want me to read it? You can read it. No, okay. Okay, she's gonna stand here. This is what the Lord spoke to her. You guys ready for this? Danny Silk's Saturday A.M. session was about having dreams for our lives and taking them to God. As I was thinking about dreams, I couldn't think of any I have for myself. I have dreams for Alger, and I have dreams for our children, but not for me. That's sad. He stated that when we stop dreaming and hoping, we insulate our heart and lower our expectations. But when we have dreams and they happen, there is an infusion of glory, happiness. Ooh, we talked about happiness and hope. Hmm, sounds like that was your message this morning, Connie. Happiness and hope fulfilled over and over. Answered dreams are kisses from God. Wow. Who doesn't want that? Psalms 24 says this, May he give you the desires of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. As Danny suggested, I will make my list of dreams. His list was 100 long. He said dreams require courage to fight back against Satan. And if we will step into his grace and pursue the desires of our heart, our dreams will be fulfilled because God wants to make the donation. <laughs> I will begin my list very soon and watch God's kisses come, to, come my way. Connie J. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Good word. Amen. Thank you, Connie. Yep. We all struggle with having dreams. We've had so many expectations shot in the arm. Amen. Miss, Miss Karen Haler, will you guys welcome my wife, Karen? Amen. 
Hi, how are you? Good. You're looking pretty snazzy today. <laughs> Can I embarrass you too? Okay. Boy, she took that microphone. <laughs> she don't trust me. Um, I was only able to attend one day of the conference, but that's okay. Um, yeah, okay, anyways. Um, honor. You don't get it from people. You give it to people. Honor is something you don't get from people. You give it to people. So Eric asked me to take a few minutes to share about what impacted me the most at the conference. I was only able to attend one day, but certainly got a lot of powerful wisdom in just that one day. Danny Silk talked about honor and started with what we think that honor is. I thought I did a pretty good job of honoring other people. What he said about how we... How we view honor and how I view honor, I thought, well, I, that was, it lines up pretty well. For instance, I'm kind. I'm respectful. I hold the door for people. I encourage my children to be respectful. And those are all great things, and they're very honorable things. But however, it is more than just that. And he gave the definition elder did. Honor is two powerful people in a relationship working together to meet the needs of each other. Not my needs, but each other's needs and the situation. Honor shows up when there is a problem or a disagreement. <laughs> when we look at people or interact with them and we are in agreement with what they do or what they believe because we see ourselves in them, we consider that honor. However, when conflict comes and there is disagreement and suddenly they aren't like us, then we try to control them. We try to get them to think like us. We try to get them to be like, the, like me because I like me. <laughs> we don't know how to honor others that aren't like us. I'm going to repeat that again. We don't know how to honor others that aren't like us. When honoring family, when honoring family, oh wait, okay, sorry. When honoring family, honor does not operate on agreement, it operates on love. For example, with my children, I have tried to control certain aspects of their lives that I feel are very important to control. Because I like me too much, and I think too highly of myself. So I've controlled those areas of their lives, but when conflict has come between us, and they say or do something that doesn't match my belief, all of a sudden there isn't the honor in the relationship. Because there is an agreement between the two of us. Honor creates vulnerability. Vulnerability. So I'm going to be vulnerable because I want to honor every one of you. And like Brian, I want to apologize because I've not honored everybody in this room because I think you need to be like me. <laughs> and that's wrong. So I'm going to be vulnerable because I want to honor everyone. In some relationships, we have no value of the other person 
because they don't remind you of you. For instance, in some relationships, I don't honor a person because maybe they don't discipline their children like I have. So it doesn't remind me of me. Or I don't honor someone because they don't handle, handle their finances. They handle their finances differently. And again, it's because they don't remind me of me. And the list can go on. So in a nutshell, we don't know how to honor others that aren't like us. And a culture of honor, culture of honor shows up when people make mistakes. That's when the rubber meets the road. When you have a disagreement or somebody makes a mistake, that's when you see honor working. Are we going to honor him even though we disagree? Because we're two powerful people trying to meet the needs of each other. So that's what I walked away with, and it was a lot. <laughs> and I'm still, I think I'll be doing this the rest of my life, learning. Amen. Learning to honor. Amen. Did you notice what she said, though, that honor shows up when there's a problem? It's amazing. It's really easy to honor Pastor Eric when everything's going great. But when you disagree with the direction of the church, oh, my gosh, that's when you got to put your honor on, and you have to honor someone even though you may disagree with them. The goal of honor is not to get you to agree. Again, the goal of honor is to work to help meet the needs of each other as we work together in a situation and in a purpose. Got that? You get that? So God's trying to change the way we think about honor. Again, it's something that we give people. It's not something that we're taking and getting. Awesome. Good, 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 good. Eric Strau. Everybody welcome Eric Strau to the floor. This is my brother Eric, a mother. We have mothers that are different, but our names are the same. And uh, God began to do a work in his heart. Does he see anything in common? <laughs> my brother from another mother. Did God do some work in your heart, buddy? He did a lot of work in my heart. Amen. He showed me a lot of things that I thought I had under control. And that's the problem. I tried to control it. And um, God's been working with me on this for a while, but especially showed me that I like to try to control through fear and and that, and that, um, that just doesn't work. I mean, that works in the short term, but in the long term, it just, it's like taking a machete to a relationship, and it just severs it, and, um, but one of the things that really touched me at this was the way he, they talked about confrontation. I had never really realized it, but kind of like with Karen, it was like, confrontation, I thought, dealt with, um, as long as the outcome came out that somebody agreeing with you or looking like you, that's what it should be. And, and I didn't really realize that's what I was thinking and that's what I was doing. And um, it's really caused me a lot of, uh, as I went through, a lot of um, repenting. And I've got a lot of forgiving to do, especially for my son, David, that I've tried to control him and, and do things like that. And with my wife, just because we don't, Kind of like Karen said, the, the different parenting styles um, just really is very humbling. And, and um, I've tried to use it to try to control them to look like me instead of, I mean, confrontation kind of has a negative, at least to me, had a negative connotation before this weekend. 
Um, but there's a lot of things that I learned that confrontation um, are very positive. Um, one of them is to introduce consequences into a situation that are for teaching and strengthening, not smashing and demolishing, but teaching and strengthening. And it just, I don't know, it just, everything this weekend just went towards building that relationship and confrontation. And anytime you get a chance to hear them speak or any resources, I would recommend that. Um, and also it's bringing to the surface what people forget about themselves after they've failed um, in a positive way. Letting them know that um, one thing that, that um, was prophesied over me was that, do, that Jesus is the one that defines who you are. It's not Pastor Eric. It's not my wife. It's not my family. It's not even myself. It is who Jesus says you are. And um, not to let anyone do that other than him. And also one thing that was mentioned was that God wants to be with you more than you even want to be with him. And that's very humbling because we'll sing these songs like, you know, Lord, come in, Lord, welcome in this place. But do we really think about what we're saying? Do we really realize what we're saying? And that he really wants to be with us. It's just, it's a thought that I'm kind of a loner a lot of times. You can ask Eric here. He, they invited me out Friday and I started to do something and then by the time I decided to go with him, it was too late and I didn't know, but, and I paid the price. I mean, I kind of paid a price for that. Um, what I'm trying to say is I missed a chance to eat supper with Danny Silk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty much that, yeah. And, I, and I'm working at that because that is really something that is that opening that into me you see. Um, um, and then the kind of the last thing was is, I mean, there was a lot more than this that I learned, but a statement they said, if God is confrontable, who cannot be confronted? I mean, there's examples within the Bible of Abraham where he confronted the Lord and Moses and throughout. And even in the New Testament where Jesus, where the lady that was caught in adultery was brought forward, brought me back to my relationship with my son, David, that so many times we look at the sin and we don't really look to what's underlying, and we don't look to the mercy. I mean, here you've got the Son of God right here, you know, the one that created everything, that introduced the law, introduced that, the rules for stoning, the rules for what happens, you know, that's just death and adultery, is that as he's sitting there writing and they're bringing him to us, how many times am I this person over here that has the stone that's ready to stone my own family, my own friends, my own church members, myself, my spouse, whoever. But then we see the creator of the universe right there that basically says, you know, I'm just throwing what everything I've written kind of upside down and that through this confrontation, 
this lady, I'm sure, I mean, obviously her life was spared, but her life was changed dramatically. And it just, uh, probably not making sense right now. And uh, not my thing to speak up here, so. Uh, um, but that was the biggest thing, is that if he can sit there in a situation like that, and Danny was a little bit more graphic with it when he talked about it, um, probably, you know, dragged straight from the scene in all their all the glory. That, I mean, only half of the group was there. And that's so much what I think, too, that learned that we're so quick to judge, but um, but not to show mercy. So, so I guess it's really good. Thank you, Eric. Awesome. We need to be willing to allow people to make mistakes. One of the things Danny talked about this weekend was how on my best day, I can control me. <laughs> on my best day. I can control me. Why in the world am I trying to control other people? <laughs> I mean, really, my job, like uh, Brian said, the last fruit of the Spirit was self-control. I, it's my responsibility to control me, and it's your responsibility to control you. And in a conflict, I just have to make sure when I'm in a conflict with somebody, I choose to control me no matter how crazy somebody else gets. I've seen conversations and That's called out of control. That's not a confrontation. That's a fight. And confrontation is this. We are working together to meet the needs of each other. Amen? So that's good. Sarah Hughes, where are you? Sarah Hughes. Oh, you're right there. Yeah. Everybody welcome Sarah Hughes to the floor. You like these mini sermons? Good. Are you nervous? Good. You want me to make you more nervous? Sure. Okay, good. <laughs> She's asking for it, man. Now I don't know what to do. I'm a little joyful, so okay, good. Um, bear with me. Um, I wear pink glasses, so I do this. So if I get like this, you'll have to point me back in the right direction, okay? Yes. Um, so this beginning of this year, um, I asked God for a New Year's resolution. Um, because I wanted it to be a spiritual New Year's resolution. And so um, he said, confrontation. I'm like, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. So I put it on the back burner, and then I'm like, well, I should probably go pick it back up since he gave it to me. I should probably use it, right, whatever. Um, and so as I um, was discipled, um, I was told, well, read the book Culture of Honor then you'll know what confrontation is. I'm like, okay, well, I, I know what confrontation is. I was a manager for five years. <laughs> confrontation sucks. <laughs> and people get mad, and then they don't like me, and then I'm ousted, and I don't want to do it. Um, so after reading Culture of Honor, I realized confrontation really isn't sucky. It's awesome. And it doesn't bring division. It brings unity. And so um, there's a few people on that side of the room that can witness or attest to my confrontation. Um, it ended up beautiful. It ended up um, actually loving each other and not being divided. And so um, as we went on, you know, I st you still go back to your old ways because I have now 38 years of my old way of confrontation that I still have to constantly remind myself that confrontation's good and confrontation's great. And so today while I was playing piano, actually, I'm not going to go by my notes, sorry. <laughs> um, 
I got tickled really bad. And that's why Mike said, put your hand on your heart, because I put my hand on my heart and I started laughing. And God's like, go to confrontation giggling. Just go, guess what? I feel hurt. <laughs> I feel so sad when you do this. Isn't that hilarious? Great. So what can we do to fix this? Because it'll be awesome once we're done. <laughs> So that's my spiel. But there's a whole bunch more that I got, but that was my main thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go to confrontation, little giddy. All right. How about you, Michelle? Preach it, girl. Everybody welcome Michelle Preble. Her husband, Tom, and Pat Shevzak are helping with worship for Danny this morning at Church of Praise, but I know uh, God downloaded some things in you, didn't he? Yes, he did. Um, he kind of started working on me before the conference ever happened, and, um, and I start talking to Eric about my own conflicts with people and how I wanted to honor them, even though I was hurt so deeply, and how do I do that? And, um, and so it's been a journey over the summer and into the fall and going through some really deep hurts, and um, one of the things he said is, my honor is not a prisoner of your character. When your love and honor is on, it is the best of you. So why would you hand the best part of you to someone else? And that was really hard for me. I could not not take something personal when somebody would come against me about something. And I couldn't figure out why I kept on saying, Eric, I take it personal. I get defensive. I don't know how to not do that. And I keep asking the Lord, what is wrong inside of me that keeps me from being able to keep my honor on and to hear somebody out instead of wanting to defend me. And, um, and it was heartbreaking knowing that I was handing the best part of me to somebody else, and I couldn't walk that out. And um, during the conference, um, because, so I'll back up for a minute. So in the midst of my hurt, I looked at Eric one day and when we were meeting, and I said, I'm done. I'm done being this in 17 years of ministry. First time ever I've wanted to pack it up and leave. I'm done. I'm done being under the microscope. I'm done with the anguish. I'm done with the hurt and whatever God's trying to get out of me. I'm done. I'm ready to move it on and go somewhere else and just be normal. Whatever that fantasy normal of laughing and having fun and no worries that's where I want to be. <laughs> and Eric's like, it'll just follow you. I go, I don't care. I'll have a honeymoon period, and it will be great. <laughs> I'd never been there in 17 years of ministry. And uh, I'm like, okay, Lord. So when we're at the conference, um, I have a couple words spoken to me, and um, this person walks up to me, and um, they start praying for me, and they're like, the Lord is going to the deep part of you, to that little girl in those hurts, and he's supernaturally just yanking them out for you. And I was like, thank you, Lord, because I couldn't put my finger on. What is it? What is the misgivings in my thinking, and what did I perceive and take in as wrong thinking? And, and then another person came up to me, and they said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but the Lord's just taken all the weeds out of your garden. He's just removing them for you. And I did, as soon as all that happened, like, I just, I'm like, it's gone. Like, the hurt is gone, and I don't know why. And so I even had a chance, Shelly, 
my best buddy. <laughs> We're driving home from the conference, and, and she just brings something up to me about something that she didn't agree with. And, and I felt it come on, but I went, oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to just seek to understand her heart. And I, and I was able to control it. I was able to push it to the side, and I was able to walk this out with her without losing it because a couple months ago, I lost it with her on the phone when she confronted me on something else. And I did. I was just yelling at her on the phone, and I'd never done that to her before either. And I'm like, I am a mess. I am just a complete mess. And I stopped mid-sentence in the middle of that conversation, and I went, I'm sorry, I'm acting like an idiot, and I need to get off of here. Please forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) And Shelly's like, I confronted for the first time, and it went bad. I said, it's my fault. I'm sorry. I'm the idiot. And um, and so, uh, so God dealt with, those issues or whatever was in my heart that was keeping me from holding on to the best of me and giving the best of me to, you know, like presenting it to somebody else to bring healing into a relationship and a situation. And, um, and I constantly did it with my husband. I constantly did it with my kids. And so I'm excited that I'm going to be able to teach my kids and not give away the best part of me and be able to hold it together in the midst of those hard situations and teaching them and just being with them so much. Um, and the other thing that marked my heart, too, that I was like, ooh, I need to repent of this because they don't always do this so well either, is he said, heaven does not know you according to your history, but according to what heaven has called you to be. And so often we relate to each other according to what we know about you, not what we see the potential of who you are called to be. But we relate to you according to what we assume we know about you, our perceptions about you. And that's not good. It gets you in trouble. Because you leap beyond immense amount of information when somebody starts to speak. You start connecting all the dots, and you jump somewhere where they weren't even intending on going or what you thought they were saying. You're not able to stick with them and be a, a good listener and actually hear their heart and what they're saying, you connect all the dots, and we end up connecting them wrong, and we end up being a mess in the situation. So that's what I got. That's awesome. Good. Good word. So what we did last night is we unpacked the U-Haul for uh, Michelle and Tom, and uh, they're staying. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. Guys got to have fun, man. Come on, lighten up a bit. Man, praise God. Who was next? There's somebody else. Who else? Who was next? Did you have something? Hanson. Everybody welcome. Christopher Hanson. And I know many of you others probably went, and if there's something boiling in your heart that you got, just raise your hand let me know. Um, these are the people that talk to me. And so um, I'm not trying to exclude anybody. Oh, boy, he is going to preach, man. <laughs> 1207. No pressure. He said he had it fine-tuned, man. I do. Boomy. 
I titled it Heavenly Treasure for Right Now. We need that, don't we? We need the treasure from heaven. As I attend to this movement, as I like to call it, because it moves people into position to encounter God and create an atmosphere of heaven on earth. I heard a lot of profound things while I was there. Here, here's a, I'll just give you a couple of them. Uh, am I going to give earth earth or earth heaven? Heaven does, and this goes along with what um, Michelle just said. Heaven does not know me by my history. Heaven knows me by my unfolding eternity. <laughs> Come on, man. That is great, isn't it? My honor is not a prisoner of your character. <laughs> it's not. That's truth. Success in the kingdom is about accomplishment. It's not about accomplishment. It's about relationship. Kingdom honor doesn't depend on you and I agreeing. Wait a minute. Are we supposed to be in agreement about things when we pray? That's a twist, isn't it? It's true, though. You will not honor someone you think you can control. It's weighty stuff, isn't it? A spirit of gentleness means I will not try to control you. All right, but this is the thing that impacted me the most, and you've already heard it ringing true and and what people have shared. The very best you that you have is you keeping your honor on. That's it. When we truly honor someone, we're giving them access to a relationship connection opportunity that is not normal because we're seldom witness to it. The very best me that I have is me keeping my honor on. Every day with the people in my lives and the people in my path, I have the opportunity to display honor. So how do I know that I can portray honor? This is, you guys hear this. The very best of eternity has been poured into me by the very best from all eternity, from Jesus. It's been poured into me already. It's inside of me, waiting to be revealed. And I have the opportunity to put that on display in every single relationship that I have. With my friends, with my employer, with my pastor, with my mentor, with my family, my children, with my parents, with my spouse. If I am to reveal heaven on earth, I must understand the extreme importance of the need for honor to be emulated when I do life with people. And Jesus did an amazing job of modeling that in the Gospels for us. It was awesome. All right, so let's take the most important earthly relationship that I have, my marriage. All right, 
Listen to this statement. This is so good. My wife needs to feel the strength of my involvement in our relationship. I'm going to say that again. My wife needs to feel the strength of my involvement in us or in our relationship. And the only way I can achieve this is to give her the very best me that I have. And for the record, I have epically failed at that. <laughs> epically. Can anybody else relate in here? Just being real, right? Got to be real with ourselves. Honor creates vulnerability when my resolve to communicate how I'm feeling simply remains as such. My motive in any interaction with my wife should be to maintain our connection. When we become disconnected, man, we might as well be a couple of grinding wheels hitting each other. Sparks flying, toes skipping off my forehead. Some of you know that story. <laughs> it happens. It happens when there is no connection. It's, it's life unfolding away from heaven. I've been married for over 10 years, and I did not embrace the importance of this, nor did I understand how truly being connected could transform our relationship. Man. I realized I was settling for pennies and how deep I had allowed my connection to go when the Lord had blessed me with a gold mine in my wife. I don't know about you guys, man. I just, man, that's, and that's every one of us. In my pursuit of creating this culture of honor and maintaining a connection, I have to learn to be a good communicator. It's a must. So, here's what I know. <laughs> In being vulnerable, this thing of getting out of me what's inside of me just does not come natural. And I'm sure it's the same for, I'm 99% sure it's the same for 95% of the guys in here, right? I'm speaking to the guys right now. We're not good at it. We just, it's, it's awkward. We don't know how to, you know, pour the emotion out. We don't. For too long, we men have walked around in pride, not communicating, showing very little emotion. And, we, and we've only allowed ourselves to get angry because we don't know how to do this very thing. Guess what? My eyes are wide open, wide open right now. You guys ready? <laughs> Women are incredible at communicating their emotions because that's the way God has wired them. Come on, it's true. If we, men, if we are going to bring the culture of honor from heaven to earth, if we're going to do this and achieve it, 
That's saying the same thing three times. If I want to bring it to my life, to my family, to my relationships, then I've got to listen to what my wife's saying. And when I say listen, I mean hear the deeper cry of her heart. I need to understand that my wife can teach me how to maintain a connection if I'm willing to listen. I have to take ownership of my listening. The Word of God says my marriage is to be a reflection of the kingdom, right? You guys all agree with that? Thank you for hanging with me. I'm going to wrap it up in a second. Hebrews 13, 4 says, give honor to marriage. That's how it starts up. Give honor to marriage. And it goes on to talk about in a relationship by being faithful. Here's a good one, guys. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, you husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, keeping the connection. <laughs> as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Listen, hear what that's saying. She is equal. She's not lower. Our wives are not lower than us for too long. The church has suppressed women. And women are such an incredible gift. Incredible. And we've not allowed that to rise up and be an authentic voice of what it needs to be. Thank you, Jesus. It is. All right, let me finish that part. It says, grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. <laughs> We'd like to think our prayers are going somewhere, but if we're not doing this, then guess what? They're falling right to the ground. All right, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says, Husbands, and this is from the message, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love earmarked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Woo, come on, guys. <laughs> Don't shout me down, man. Okay, if I'm if I'm going to go all out in my love for my wife, then I must be the very best that I can in keeping my honor on, owning my ability to listen and be vulnerable with how I'm feeling by always maintaining the connection at all costs. That's the most important thing. Because, guys, hear me. When your wife is experiencing a real connection to you, it unlocks her heart, and your relationship can start to do what it was designed to do. Reveal heaven on earth. Amen. Thank you. Amen.
Well, as you can see, we all received a lot of different, and I know there's many others that would share other things. But it's all about keeping our love on, keeping our honor on. You're in control of your own honor. You're in control of your own love. And don't allow other people, the way they act or react, steal your love and your honor. Amen. I, uh, just so you know, I have seven books left on Danny Silk called The Culture of Honor. They're normally 15 bucks, and we have them for 10 I only have seven left. If you guys feel like you want one of those books, make sure you see me after service. But uh, I really want us to be famous for love at New Covenant. Amen? To be famous for love and how we love each other and how we relate to one another. The Bible says that they'll know you're my disciples by your your rules, your love. Not your rules, not your things you do, but by your love for one another. And so uh, I believe that there are many people waiting to come to Christ because they're waiting to see us bring heaven to earth on how we love one another. And we sometimes don't love well. Can I have an amen on that? And we need to learn how to love well. So let's stand up. You've heard about six or eight different messages. Did I miss anybody? (laughs) If I did, we'll let you share later. Um, But uh, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for the messages of your word that we heard today about love, honor, confrontation, dreaming, hope, all those things that you did in our hearts today, God. I pray today as we dismiss the service that, Lord God, you would... um, really jack with us about our paradigm and the way we think and really bring a revelation of how you love and how you want us to love and how you want us to do relationship with each other, with our families, with our bosses, with the people that we work with, with our students, other students in class and how you want us to love well, Father. So Lord, we thank you for a transformation in our hearts and we just give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Go and be blessed. If you need prayer, the altar team will be up here. But have a great, great day. God bless you.